Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I have with me a very, very well-established, well-known author, Christopher C. Doyle with me. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashish. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, Chris is the best-selling author of the Mahabharata Secret, uh, the, the Mahabharata Quest, the Alexander Secret, the Secret of the Druids. He's also got a book titled The Patal Prophecy, Son of Brigu, Myths of Brahma. His other avatar is he's the founder of the Growth Catalysts. He's worked for several MNCs. He's from IAM Calcutta and he sits on several boards. So Chris, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or career? So that's a, that's a very interesting uh, question, Ashutosh, because I guess different people have different ways of looking at milestones. And for me, the way I look at milestones are things that I, you know, I would remember and take with me to the end of my days. Events which have in some way shaped my life. So for me, I think the three milestones, and I'm mixing both personal and, and other uh, milestones together. So I think the first milestone was was my marriage. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a wonderful relationship. I have a, a wonderful supporting partner. We've been married now for almost twenty six years, mm-hmm. and I think that's been a very very big event that shaped my life. My daughter's birth for me is another big milestone because indirectly, I mean, apart from the joy of having a child and bringing mm-hmm. her up, indirectly she was responsible for me eventually writing a book and getting published. So. Mm-hmm apart from the other delights, uh, you know, that she's provided through uh, her life with us. Correct. And I think the third milestone for me is a childhood dream, which I cherished. And that was becoming a, a published author, seeing my, my name among those of my literary idols. And for me, that was a big one, which happened Terrific. in 2013. So Terrific. these are my three milestones. Terrific. So let's talk first about, uh, you know, and I know you worked for many companies, but let's focus today initially on your journey as an author. So let's start with uh, your telling me about your books. So I like to think of myself as someone who, who provides uh, my readers with a mix or a blend of things. So, mm-hmm. so I, I give them a little bit of uh, information about, about our mythology. Mm-hmm. I give them a little information about history. Mm-hmm. I give them a pretty strong dose of science mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I weave all of this into, into a tale which is set in modern times and uh, so there's suspense and action. So it's, it's a thriller basically mm-hmm. with these elements in it. So that's how I look at my writing. That's, okay. the, that's what my books are about. Okay. And when did you start writing? You did mention that your daughter was one of the motivations for you to start writing. So I've been writing since school days. Um, I've been writing stories since I was in school. I had lovely teachers who would come to me after the English language exam and say, did you write a story or did you write an essay? Because they wanted to read the story. Uh, so I've, uh, I've always been writing, but uh, seriously, I began, uh, I really began churning out stories for my daughter when she was about three years old. I used to tell her my own bedtime stories, you know, make them up for her. Mm-hmm. And in most of them, she was the heroine of the, of the story. And, uh, when she was about seven, she wanted, you know, she came to me and basically told me to up my game because the uh, the kiddie stories I was telling her were, you know, she'd outgrown them. And, uh, 
and that's when i thought of you know coming up with this blend of history she was very interested in history and mythology mm-hmm. and uh, i'd always wanted to write about mythology so i put it all together and started a story which lasted for 2 years every mm-hmm. night so i would write bits of it and, and then you know narrate it to her mm-hmm. and that eventually became my first book okay and which was the first book uh, the mahabharat secret wonderful wonderful so tell me you know between science and technology uh, mythology and history what has made you blend these completely diverse topics into uh, a story i mean you know mythology people say has nothing to do with science history has nothing to do with mythology because history doesn't recognize mythology yeah uh, that's a great question actually and what's i guess what what probably triggered my thinking in this direction was many many years ago uh, this is in the 90s when i was uh, reading a lot of books and and some of the books were written by western authors mm-hmm. who were doing a lot of research into science and archaeology and trying to piece together bits of western mythology using that they were trying to explain the mythology using that and in fact there's a very book, uh, good book that came out subsequently called science and the magical which looks at interpreting greek mythology in terms of actual science and it came out after i started writing but uh, in the 90s when i was reading this i i would often wonder how would this feel uh, if one applied it to indian mythology and uh, and that's where my search began the research and the reading you know detailed reading of of the of the ancient texts in india uh, and when i started reading i you know it was it was really fascinating and you know i could talk for hours about this but i'll just give you one small example the story of shikandin shikandi shikandin yeah is something that can actually be explained by by science by genetics uh, a genetic mutation that uh, that allows a, a person born as as a girl to spontaneously change gender mm-hmm. at puberty and become a male this is very well documented in the medical literature and it's a, it's a it's a genetic mutation that causes this now correct could this have been the reason behind that story one doesn't know but these were the conjectures with which i started so that's how i tried to link science and mythology okay and then history um, fortunately as a fiction writer because i write fiction uh there are a lot lot of loopholes in history a mm. uh, lot of mysteries lots of questions our history is not as well recorded as we would like to think considering right. you know mm. the the kind of you know the way we humans are mm. uh so uh, as a fiction writer it was uh, it was a, a very interesting challenge to see if i could actually connect dots mm-hmm. uh using facts which were plausible but not necessarily true okay interesting So you know you said that you've been writing since the time you were very very young. I have a question which says that you know what makes a good writer? I think reading. I think if anyone wants to be a good writer you have to read a, a lot. I read a lot for every book. I read about 100 books uh, for every book I write. Mhm. Um and uh, and I think it's because I've been reading since I was very small. I've had these glasses since I was 10 years old. Mhm. I think that's possibly the reason why I'm able to write at all. Mm. So I think that's that's the real secret of a good writer. And when you say reading, uh, reading any particular subjects or related to the kind of writing that you're going to do, or just anything, anything, anything. The broader, the better, because you read stuff you'd like, you read stuff you don't like, you learn a lot from what you read. Uh, you can read fiction, non-fiction, different genres of fiction. 
you pick up a lot of information you pick up a lot of uh, learning you you see writing styles you see character development so I, i would you know i would say reading everything and anything and uh, what makes a good story then so i think the as both as a reader as an author i think it's it's very important to to keep the reader hooked mm-hmm. uh for me i i know i'm successful as an author if if a reader writes into me and says i couldn't put your book down mm. or i finished it in 3 hours flat or or my mother was reading a book and she burnt it up because of it because that tells me that i have been able to keep the 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 reader glued to the book and for me i think uh, that's done by using a variety of different devices but you you're basically trying to you you're basically trying to create suspense for the reader uh, mm-hmm. for the genre that i write at least okay and um, and 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 the good kind of suspense where people actually do want to know what happens next hmm. i think that's very key for the kind of books that i write and a nail biting page turner is it a nail biting page turner i didn't understand okay. would have sounded very immodest if i said that <laughs> okay you know, i'm saying it <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, you know next question to you is that you know when you are when you start writing unless you write every day you know like some people tell me 2 hours every day what is your work schedule like so i don't write every day mm. uh in fact i write less than i research my writing is is quite fast i normally write the actual writing maybe takes about 2 to 3 months mm-hmm. it's the research that takes years so uh so i don't have a writing schedule as such i i do not write every day uh mm-hmm. it's impossible given the fact that i've got a day job so uh but i do a lot of research so i try and, and read every day i do a, like i said i do a lot of reading so that's that takes up most of the time but a typical work day would be uh, would be i think about uh, 70% to 80% sometimes 100% work mm-hmm. where i'm i'm looking you know either with clients or preparing for you know uh, doing stuff for them or you know there may be a, a day like some weekends when i would spend uh, there have been times when i spend the whole night writing a saturday night i sit down and write for 10 hours and that's when a lot of stuff does get churned out but typically a lot of a lot of the day goes on work actual work okay and one more question on books before i move to the next segment you know this is the age of the millennials and the gen z's as an author what is your perception of the reading habits of the younger generation i think firstly uh, the the reading habit is is not as strong as it possibly was in you know in our generation i think it's uh, there are so many distractions now which we didn't have mm-hmm. um and you have more instant gratification you have to mm-hmm. sit down for 3 4 hours maybe a week sometimes depending on the kind of book you're reading right um it's 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 an effort so so that's one thing but having said that i think um what what i've learned through my books at least is mm-hmm. that if you write a good story and make it interesting for the younger generation they will read it mm-hmm. my initial books the mahabharat quest series was not written was not targeted at a very young market mm-hmm. i mean there's no one in that in that book who's less than 30 years old and uh, and i was very surprised to find that people uh, school children as young as 12 and 13 year olds they were writing to me and saying we loved your books wow so so that gives gives me a lot of encouragement a lot of hope that uh, you know there are youngsters out there who like reading i i think it's also our responsibility of us as authors to give them really good stuff that they enjoy reading um 
if they are motivated to write to an author and say i loved your books correct uh, i think i think then we you know we're doing something for them mm. okay so let's now move to uh, what you call your day job you know right. which is your the growth catalyst and coaching i'm uh, assuming talk to me about the growth catalysts so the growth catalyst is is fairly recent um uh, you know considering my journey um i've been coaching now for about 20 years mm-hmm. uh first more as a passion i would do it with uh, with friends with connects you know there would be uh, 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 ceos would come to me mm-hmm. and say you know we want to talk mm-hmm. and i felt myself talking to them uh, but not really advising them but helping them to find solutions to you know whatever they wanted to and uh, then someone told me a friend of mine told me uh, you actually coaching and then i said okay if i'm doing that and i and i enjoyed doing it so i i i got trained i underwent coach training got myself certified as a coach uh, and still carried on you know i i was i had a job but i would do this uh, you know on weekends and stuff like that and then in 2010 i decided that this was something that um, i wanted to pursue professionally as well i thought this would be my this would really be my job and uh, i i'd also kind of got a little tired of of being in in big business i'd worked for multinationals i was running businesses and uh, and i just thought i'd strike out on my own and start up something on my on my own and um, i think there was also a bit of a, uh, my last job i was running the economist intelligence unit in india mm-hmm. and i think it was also a kind of uh, i wanted to prove to myself that what i was doing or or you know the doors that were opening um people were recognizing me not for the economist brand but for me as a person correct so i wanted to build something of my own correct and and that's when i when i started working on my own initially i i, I did a joint venture with an american company uh, which was into coaching uh but then i realized that, that they were moving more towards hr and organization development and that's not my core competence i i come from the business side of things so so i wanted to focus more on business Mm-hmm. and so we parted ways and that's when the growth catalyst was was born okay. so this is really a culmination of a journey which is you know evolved and uh, and uh, i i then you know what i realized that what i really wanted to do was to help uh, business leaders uh, which i was doing anyway one on one but i also realized that i could i could serve a lot more uh, organizations by working with the org- the leadership team at the top and that's really what the growth catalyst is about we work with uh, the ceo and the top management and help them to enhance performance and grow the business so the focus is very strongly on the business very interesting so you know let's talk coaching a little bit uh, traditionally in india coaching was always done either by a boss who was who had taken a like liking to you or in a family business by an elder in the last few years coaching has become very formalized in india why do you think this is happening why are people willing to pay for coaching so i think it's 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 a, it's been a very interesting journey because i remember when i started out in 2010 um there was still a bit of a resistance to uh, to coaching mm-hmm. but over the last 10 years i've seen the, the change that you're talking about happening and i think there are a couple of reasons for this one is uh, like a lot of management trends Uh, and business trends mm-hmm. we tend to follow the west mm-hmm. and the west uh, western business has had a fairly strong tradition of coaching mm-hmm. uh, all of my first clients uh, you know in the first few years my, all my clients were were um, american multinationals or you know western multinationals 
and uh, it's only in the last few years that you know i've started getting uh, indian business owners and uh, large indian companies mm-hmm. so so i think there's been a rub off that's probably the first thing there's been a rub off from the western business world to to india mm-hmm. and i think the second thing is probably that there um, there are quite a few good coaches out there now who are actually um, who are actually delivering results mm-hmm. and uh, and people are realizing that coaching can can benefit earlier coaching had a very negative connotation to it mm-hmm. and a, a, a lot of people probably thought that oh if i'm being coached then i'm maybe on my way out mm-hmm. it's my last chance you know what they call the pip that has changed now and people now realize uh, i actually have you know ceos coming to me and saying yeah, I, i think i'd like you to work with me because i want to get to the next level mm-hmm. and and that's where i think you can uh, you can really make a contribution so people are realizing the benefits now correct and therefore a follow up question to that uh, to what you just mentioned that you know people are benefiting is that from a coachy perspective how do they evaluate whether my coach is good or not okay this is this is a question which is a bit of a minefield so i'm going to be a tad be careful how i answer it because i don't want to sound disparaging of anyone sure sure but uh, one of the reasons why uh, and i didn't say it earlier because I, 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 you know again it's uh, it can be taken it can be misinterpreted mm-hmm. but one of the reasons why coaching uh, did not take off earlier was because you did have a lot of people and you still do you ha- have a lot of people who um, who become coaches mm-hmm. but they're not coaches mm. if you know what i mean they uh, so and and this is something even in the training and the certification that i was given one of the things you know when you run a business you you run a business yeah. what do you look for you look for metrics right mm. you want to see what's my roi going to be on this and the traditional answer to this question you know what am i going to get out of this how am i going to measure mm. how good you are as a coach has been well you can't measure behavioral change mm. and to an extent that's true correct but i don't agree with mm-hmm. and and i think i think this is a a, a very important um, so i know coaches i know i'm very i'm very clear about you know the goals that we set have to be measurable mm-hmm. uh, and uh, both the coachee the person being coached and the organization who's paying for it uh, they need to understand where the progress is being made and where the needle is moving okay. that accountability has to be there mm-hmm. so for me uh, and that's why i said i have to be careful about here because i i don't want to put anyone down but i think uh, i think anyone getting coached must ask for accountability from the coach correct that's very very important very well said and one more question on coaching before i move to the next segment how long should a coaching relationship be so i i don't i i don't wouldn't recommend an up, upper limit i know there's there are at least one or two people who i've been working for for about 5 to 6 years now okay but uh, the thing about those relationships is it's not the same thing again and again it's not every year we go back and revisit so the first year it's something then it's something else the person is growing and um, and and the bigger goals every time so a bigger and different goals so what we were doing say 5 years ago is very different from what we are working on now but those are very rare uh, typically a coaching engagement i have a minimum cut off i i do not work with anyone for less than 12 months okay and one of the reasons for that is like i, I just talked about accountability uh, i like to for me i am successful if i make myself redundant after the coaching engagement is over if the person says comes to me and says i can run on my own i i actually don't need your support anymore for me that's success 
Okay. And as a coach, and and therefore, twelve uh, months is I've I've realized is the optimal period where you can get sustainable results, hmm. where the coachee can then move uh, by themselves. They don't really need a coach okay. for that particular uh, you know set of goals. Understand? They might come up with another set of goals and say, yeah. "Hey, can you help me with that?" But uh, but Fair that's enough. yeah. Fair enough. So let's now move to a couple of questions for you personally. You did mention uh, something that you know. uh that could be seen as success so that is a segue to my next question that you know very successful author well recognized successful corporate person successful coach what does success mean to chris this is a question which i i i've grappled with this a lot you know i try to understand what i what i i define as success and what makes uh you know a, a person successful as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. and i i've come to realize a couple of things one is um to this the way we look at success generally hmm. i'm 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 using a very broad brush here yep. but typically it's it's looked as uh you know uh something that's very transient uh, when it especially when it's connected to something that's material hmm. so uh, i'm a ceo today so i'm i'm successful i win an award today so i'm successful i produce a best seller and i'm successful hmm. and there there are a couple of problems with this one is you know we talk of the pinnacle of success it's as if success comes in degrees but for me in my eyes success is binary okay either you succeed or you fail hmm. and the second thing that i realize is that we tend to view and evaluate success through the eyes of other people hmm. not necessarily through our own eyes hmm. and a lot of people don't are never satisfied because they're constantly trying to keep up with expectations and uh, you know and 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 show people what they're capable of doing I think of success more as a journey than a destination. Mm-hmm. Um as an author I'm as good as my last book. Correct. Right. So I uh, there's no guarantee my next book is going to be a bestseller. Mm-hmm. Uh as a coach I'm as good as my last engagement where I did something for someone. Correct. So I've come to view success as if I'm consistently true to my own values and principles. Mm-hmm. I'm satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm successful. for me that success okay and my last question to you now is uh, that if you chris were a role model to millions of children and i know you started writing because of your young daughter and if these millions of children were closely following you and your life choices what is the one thing you would change in yourself well that's a tough question um, ashutosh because i think uh, whatever i've achieved and you know if i believe i've been successful in my own definition as i've just told you mm-hmm. uh, it's because of the life choices i've made and uh, and i think i've learned through my mistakes mm-hmm. so i cherish those mistakes because of the learning they've given me uh, maybe what i would i would change uh, if i was a role model for for youngsters i would probably be less impulsive Okay. Uh, I've learned, and I am less impulsive now. Mm-hmm. But I've been very impulsive uh, in in my younger days, and mm-hmm. you know, in uh, the early days of my career, mm-hmm. uh, taking decisions. Sometimes I have taken emotional decisions, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think I uh, that's something that uh, probably I would change because I would like people to watch me and say, okay, this is a guy who's. It's not about being risk averse, but it's about being sensible. Okay. And uh, you know, and not letting emotions take uh, you know cloud your decision making at any point in time, because I think that's how we should be taking decisions, uh, not necessarily emotionally all the time. Wonderful, 
Chris, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I wish you uh, the growth catalysts and of course, all your books, present and future, lots and lots of success. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ashutosh. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for inviting me um, on this. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.